Salam, bonjour, ni hao. Welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Adel Hamazia, member of the Society for Algerian Studies, and I'm delighted to be moderating today's super interesting event on Sino-Algerian relations from anti-colonial allies to strategic partners. The event is being hosted by our own academic ally and strategic partner, uh, the LSE Middle East Center, and indeed co-organized with us, that is IE, the Society for Algerian Studies. Uh, I apologize for the slight delay. We had some technical issues with um, bringing in one of our uh, speakers, uh, and we hope she will join, uh, join us very soon. Um, so, so the running order today, just some brief house rules, uh, a brief intro from me, uh, then we'll dive in and each of our speakers will deliver uh, initial remarks for a first round of approximately seven, seven to eight minutes. Subsequently, we'll have a, a couple of questions from the moderator, myself, moi, uh, then we'll move to Q&A and discussion with you, the audience. So if you'd like to ask a question, please type your question into the Q&A box uh, at the bottom of your screen uh, for those on Zoom. Uh, that's not the chat box, but the Q&A box. So I'll say it one more time because I've already seen people send a few messages in the chat. So Q&A box, not the chat. And please feel free to share your name and affiliation. Also note that this event will be recorded and will also be live streamed on Facebook. If you'd like to tweet about the event, marhaba, bienvenue, huanying, you can use the hashtag LSC Algeria, LSC Algeria. Now, a few very brief words before introducing our speakers, very mini context um, before, before passing on the baton to our, our first speaker. So the study of, of China-MENA relations has, has really taken off uh, in recent years, but both in academic and policy, think tank settings, et cetera. And this of course correlates naturally with China's growing presence, mostly economic presence in the MENA region. Uh, and that is all the way from Tangiers to Tehran. So if we talk about beyond the Arab world or Middle East, uh, one of the sort of earliest and more notable periods when looking back between China and the region uh, in the 20th century, that is, is the 50s and 60s. Uh, and this is where Algeria is of particular interest uh, and importance. So a few notable moments uh, and landmarks, uh, landmark moments rather, uh, include the non-aligned meeting at Bandung in 55, uh, where we had a, a, a whole host of, of uh, non-aligned players and those who are emerging from uh, colonial shackles, um, uh, and of course, uh, uh, China being the first non-Arab country to to uh, to recognize Algeria's own um, pre-independence uh, provisional government in 1958, so in the middle of the war, uh, and some political reciprocity was uh, afforded not long after as Algiers supported helping China rest restore its own seat at the UN in 1971, and I'm glad that Chu Chu has joined us just in time to hear that bit as well, which she's fully and well aware of. But despite <laughs> the early, no worries Chu Chu at all. But despite the early love affair in the 50s uh, and 60s and into the 70s, economic and commercial relations never really took off until the high rent years of the Bouteflika era. Uh, so construction, infrastructure, civil works, you know, many of the Algerian colleagues on the call and those that have been, uh, you know, know about the East-West Highway, the Grand Mosque in Algiers, the port, uh, housing projects and you know housing that has helped uh, almost underwrite elements of the social contract although of course contractors have done well for themselves uh, to that regard so you know we've supported ports airports as I just said motorways and these are metaphorically and, and literally propelled uh, you know uh, a lot of the trains planes ships planes and automobiles uh, and many scholars describe China as uh, a developmental partner searching for developmental peace not a democratic assertion of sorts, a la West or a la North, uh, north of uh, the Mediterranean, literal. Uh, but I asked the question, what do we mean by development here? And I'm hoping colleagues will help perhaps unpack that. Uh, one, one thing that Algerian colleagues always complain about, you know, what jobs are created by, for locals? What does tech transfer look like? And are we talking about win-win development? So uh, these bilateral relations have, have really favored um, bilateral engagement, but I've also used plurilateral fora such as the Forum on China-Arab States Cooperation, uh, FOCAC, uh, 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 and also the China-Arab States Cooperation Forum, the CASCF. China has also elevated and bestowed upon Algeria uh, something that we call the Comprehensive Strategic Partnership status, along with four other countries in Saudi, uh, UAE, Iran, Egypt. And a colleague uh, describes this partnership diplomacy as being centered, predicated, based on uh, common interests, not common values. 
uh, and sometimes describes these almost as pivot states. Uh, Algeria's geostrategic location makes it sexy, makes it attractive, proximity to the Sahel, proximity to Sub-Saharan Africa uh, at large, Europe, uh, and makes it an important signatory to the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, and uh, as noted in, in some of Yahya's writing, as China surpassed France as Algeria's largest source of import, some $7 billion, you know, recent stats, a French Senate report, uh, our friends across the Mediterranean, expressed concern about China's ambitions uh, in Algeria. So our speakers will take us through the evolution of relations, uh, political and economic developments, opportunities, challenges uh, with Algerian and Chinese perspectives, but also thinking about the post-pandemic era and also the Belt and Road ahead. So I'll, I'll, I'll introduce our speakers uh, uh, all, in, all in one, a sort of rationed asset-stripped version, if I may, or we'd be here all day, and we only have uh, just over an hour. Um, we started a few minutes late and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll also end a few minutes later than scheduled. Um, so we have Yahya Zubir, our first speaker, who's Professor of International Relations and International, Manager, uh, International Management and Director of Research and Geopolitics at Kedge Business School. Uh, he's taught at multiple universities around the world. Uh, his recent book is Algerian Politics, Domestic Issues and International Relations, uh, published by Routledge last year uh, in 2020. He's published extensively. Uh, he's also contributed several chapters and you know, entries into encyclopedias. And in 2020, he was visiting fellow at Brookings Doha Center. We're also delighted to have Chu Chu Zhang all the way from Shanghai. So a special thanks to Chu Chu for staying up uh, a little later. Uh, is, is, she's associate professor at the School of IR and Public Affairs at Fudan in China. She received her PhD uh, here in the UK in, in politics and international studies at the University of Cambridge. Her research focuses on Middle East politics, China-MENA relations and China's foreign policy. She's author of Islamist Party Mobilization, Tunisia's Anahda and Algeria's HMS Compared, 1989 to 2014. Last but not least, Francesco Saverio Leopardi, a research fellow at the Marco Polo Center for Global Europe-Asia Connections at Chafoscari University in Venice. He teaches Global Asian Studies uh, at Chafoscari International College. His research interests currently focus on Sino-Algerian economic relations, uh, has a long-time interest also in the history of the Palestinian national movement, and in 2020 published his first monograph, The Palestinian Left and Its Decline, um, Loyal Opposition. So it seems Saverio has a thing for studying people's committed to self-determination. So a common denominator there. Um, with no further ado, I'd like to welcome Yahya to, to open up for us and give us some, almost a historical overview of Sino-Algerian relations uh, from Bandung to Bouteflika, and maybe say a little bit about the Algerian perspective on these relations uh, on a sort of contemporary side of things. Yahya, over to you. Thank you very much, uh, Adel. Um, thank you, LSC, for hosting this uh, meeting in the Society of Algerian Society. Uh, studies. Uh, I'm very delighted to be with my uh, co-author and friend uh, Chuchu Zhang and delighted to have Francesco as well uh, with us in the team. Uh, I think seven minutes uh, would not do justice uh, to Sino-Algerian relations, uh, but I will do my best uh, to give you sort of broad uh, overview of those relations. I think um, the, in the last uh, decades, uh, Algeria and the People's Republic of China have enjoyed, uh, you know, relations at different levels. Uh, but I think one of the parts that are that is uh, neglected uh, is the historical part. And it is customary to always start with Bandung. Uh, but Bandung was only, uh, you know, a meeting place uh, for most uh, nationalist movements with Zhuo Lai, who at the time was foreign minister, who later would be called uh, Mr. Africa. But unlike many uh, Middle East and North Africa countries, Sino-Algerian re relations were born during a specific period, which is the uh, war of independence uh, of Algeria. And so um, those years for those of you, especially for uh, researchers are extremely interesting years because China was in a, in a period of what I would call the ideological phase uh, with uh, uh, support for national liberation movements and so on. And also, um, you know, clashing eventually with the Soviet Union, which it uh, accused of being uh, revisionist. And um, 
for young people who do research as well, I would suggest that you look uh, into the archives and the, the, the way um, Mao Zedong and uh, his team um, you know, treated the Algerian nationalists and the aid was absolutely extensive. Uh, it's very little known. There are now some uh, former revolutionaries like Commander Azdin, uh, who has published series uh, of um, articles in the Algerian press uh, on how that relationship was born and how uh, it developed. But there are also some other archives um, that one can look at. It would be very interesting to, oh, well, my point is that uh, the relations that you, you see today were forged during that, that, that period. And again, uh, it, it, it explains why uh, the relationship is, is so important compared to other Middle Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern countries uh, as well. Today, for instance, um, if you ask people from my generation, probably, uh, the young people who uh, saw the Algerian independence when they were children, they would probably remember that their school books, uh, you know, uh, ink and other such things were supplies by, supplied by, by China. They were donated by China, which was a poor country at the time, but which supplied uh, uh, such uh, uh, material. But also the first ever um, a medical team that uh, China sent overseas was to Algeria in 1963. So the old generation remembers, and I'm stunned because both uh, Professor Zhang and myself noticed that if you looked at today's uh, uh, approval uh, ratings of China among Algerians, is one of the lowest uh, in the Middle East. And of course, we can uh, debate that because uh, if you uh, look at the uh, uh, at the methodology and how it was done, you'd see that uh, the most educated people have a very favorable view uh, of China. So we'll we'll try to see why uh, you know the the uh, uh, opinions are not as good among the general public, or at least a portion of the Algerian public. In any case, Adel um, has already said it. Um, you know the um, the. China was the first non-Arab country to recognize uh, immediately, the, almost immediately, uh, the uh, Algerian, um, the uh, provisional government of the Algerian Republic in 1958 and established diplomatic relations in uh, December uh, uh, 1958. Um, and so, what is also, uh, by the way, this was well before France had diplomatic relations uh, with China. Uh, diplomatic relations between China and France, or France recognized the People's Republic of China only in 1964. What is also less known is the military aid uh, uh, that uh, and the training that Algeria received from China at the time. Uh, and up to today, there's, uh, there's, uh, there are about 500 military officers who go to China to be trained in three uh, academies uh, in the PRC. So, so, and again, there are similarities. If I focus on the political dimension, you will see different uh, aspects of China's foreign policy that overlap with Algeria's foreign policy. Uh, the principle of non-interference in others' uh, domestic affairs, non-hegemonic uh, uh, pretensions, uh, uh, peaceful resolutions of conflicts, and so on and so forth. Uh, I like, uh, I would disagree with that a little bit. It's not under the Bouteflika uh, period that the uh, economic relations were established. It was uh, rather in 1982. That's when they had... Not, not, they not established, yeah, yeah, propelled, yeah, any... Ah, 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 boosted. Okay, okay. I accept that. Uh, it's in 1982, and, and that is a, a very interesting period where the two countries are changing, basically. Uh, they are moving. China is moving into modernization and so on and putting aside the ideological dimension that it, 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 uphold, it had held uh, until then. And the Algerians too are changing. It was the post-Bumedian era where uh, things are changing. But they had a, the, the first uh, joint commission to facilitate economic, commercial, and technological cooperation was established then. And then you are right, Adel, it was boosted, if you wish, reestablished 
or re, uh, revamped uh, in the 2000s. Of course, if you look at the figures of uh, the volume of trade between Algeria uh, and China in 1982, and you saw it today, I did a calculation. I think it's like 3,600% uh, 3, increase between 1982, uh, uh, or rather between 92. And, and today it's about 3,600% uh, growth, uh, which tells you something. What is interesting, and, and uh, my dear friend uh, Chuchu, who, is, who works on infrastructure a lot, uh, noticed that the, uh, the, the China State Construction Engineering Corporation, which has done most of the constructions in Algeria and in, you know, infrastructural work, was born in, was, was created uh, a, a branch in Algeria in 1982 which means this was created during the period when relations, uh, when, when, when the two countries had signed or had uh, created this joint uh, economic uh, development uh, uh, you know, structure to, to, to um, move forward, you know, to, uh, to push uh, the, uh, the relations. What, one um, minute, Yahya. All right, okay. Basically, uh, it was in, two, in the 2000s, and Adel is going to be happy. The real takeoff really took place uh, in Sino-Algerian relations, uh, took place particularly at the economic level. It occurred in the 2000s. In the 2000s, uh, and that's, uh, you know, it was, the, the intention was, at least from the Algerian government, which was uh, receiving uh, important uh, oil revenues, um, and, and had to revamp the whole infrastructure that had been destroyed uh, during the 1990s when the situation was, you know, when everything was in shambles, uh, a lot of destruction during that period and so on. And something also major politically, although it's, a, it's, it's a, uh, an infrastructural problem, which was housing. And as you will see, I have some figures that I can share with you about how uh, China built, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of housing units uh, to lodge um, Algerians because the, the construction did not fit well or did not go together with the demogra demographic growth. So Algeria was always uh, facing uh, a big uh, shortage. I could tell more about the, the two countries, uh, you know, in terms of the political relationship. There, there are a lot of overlaps, but people focus today mostly on the various um, infrastructural works and some of which that uh, uh, Chuchu and Francesco will be discussing. And that is, there are some, some in, in prospects for uh, very important um, uh, projects, uh, especially like the harbor, what, what the Chinese and now the Algerians call it the central uh, harbor, which is in Alhamdaniya, uh, you know, uh, near Cherchel, about uh, 80 miles uh, west uh, of Algiers, but also the turning point in Algeria, trying to move away from uh, the, uh, the rent, uh, the oil rent, into other minerals such as phosphates and so on, and there was a deal signed in the phosphates field for six uh, million dollars, uh, six billion, sorry, six billion dollars, and a lot of other projects are in the making. So uh, in many ways, Algeria fits into this picture of the Belt and Road Initiative uh, and in the Maritime uh, Silk Road. I would say two important things. Uh, one is that harbor, which again, uh, two days ago or three days ago, the president of Algeria uh, put back on the table and uh, urged the uh, executives uh, of uh, really, he gave them uh, notice uh, after the Council of Ministers, you know, two months to put it back uh, on track, which means, you know, it's a very big project, which is in the billions of dollars, which goes not only in terms of a harbor for the containers and all, but also uh, in terms of uh, an industrial park around it, which will make it uh, an important hub uh, to uh, transport goods to Europe and so on and to reduce the cost. And the other one that people don't talk about, there is a lot of focus on the harbor, that, but they forget something that is almost completed, which was an African dream. And that would fit the, the Belt and Road Initiative very well, which is the Trans-Saharan 
Highway, uh, which is uh, a, a sort of joint venture between the Chinese and uh, six uh, African countries, including Chad, uh, Niger, uh, Tunisia, and of course Algeria. And it's uh, uh, it goes all the way down uh, to Nigeria, which is for uh, you know the the whole project is four thousand five hundred kilometers. And to the, my last research, it's been. Uh, completed at more than 80% so far. And I think Niger is the one uh, still trying to, uh, to complete it. Uh, now, with, with the situation in Europe, uh, of course, or, or the, the whole change in the geopolitical uh, uh, picture, and um, with what has happened in Algeria's border, uh, or borders rather, Algeria has seven, seven borders, um, uh, borders seven countries, um, the Algerians are contemplating really uh, uh, getting even closer uh, uh, to China, uh, first for funding, that is, you know, the, for financing some of yeah. the major projects, which is something that uh, we can discuss later, uh, but also because of the uh, these changes with, with this uh, Abraham Accords and and the, the, the issue of Western Sahara and so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, yeah can you can, can we come back to that? Can we come back to that point? It's a question. Absolutely. And, and, and also the association agreement issue with the EU, but we can come back to, to, to right. But Thanks for uh, wonderfully setting the scene. We'll now fly from Marseille some five, 6,000 miles to, to Shanghai uh, and welcome Dr. Chu Chu Zhang to give us a Chinese perspective on, on relations with Algeria. Um, you know, often a word that Yahya may have used and may, may have used if he had more time is asymmetrical relations, quite frankly. Um, and it'd be good to, to hear some perspectives from Chu Chu on uh, how China views Algeria, but also a little bit more on infrastructure uh, and BRI. Chu Chu, seven, eight minutes over to you. Thank you so much. So uh, hello, everyone. I appreciate so much Adel's um, invitation and I'm so happy to attend the event. And I am terribly sorry for the technical problem with my Zoom today. So um, basically, when we talk about the relations between China and Algeria, uh, from my own perspective, it is important to note two important issues. So the first one is Algeria became China's first comprehensive strategic partner in the Middle East and North Africa shortly after the Belt and Road Initiative was launched. So basically, when the Chinese government, um, it deals with the foreign countries, usually there are like different levels of the dip diplomatic relations. And um, Algeria is like um, at the very high level um, of the diplomatic relations. So secondly, um, Algeria is one of China's largest infrastructure construction partner uh, in the region. So it seems that Algeria is important and unique for China both in the economic and political senses. And in this aspect, I totally agree with Yahya. Um, while China's interests in Algeria are threefold. So first of all, the friendship between the two countries are longstanding. It can be dated to Algeria's anti-colonialism uh, war. And at that time, China offered a lot of support to Algeria. And in return, uh, Algeria sponsored a resolution which finally um, enabled People's Republic of China's representation in the United Nations. So China has always remembered such a story of mutual help between the two countries. And whenever when we talk about um, the bilateral relations in China, uh, these stories um, will be remembered and talked about. Well, second, Algeria is a significant infrastructure market of China. So, for instance, in Algeria, you can find branch offices of almost all the large-scale state-owned construction enterprises of China. So there are like hundreds of them. And as there are so many Chinese enterprises in Algeria, there is also a vast Chinese uh, community of like um, 80,000 residents in, China, uh, in Algeria. And more importantly, although we know that China signs construction contracts with a lot of countries in Africa and Middle East, Algeria is one of a few countries that do not rely on China's aid package or low interest loans to construct their infrastructure. Instead, the Algerian government itself makes the investment and asks the Chinese enterprises to do the construction. Uh, therefore, the Algerian market is less risky and more profitable for China in terms of the infrastructure cooperation. And third, the trade volume between the two countries is also uh, remarkable. So although Algeria is not China's main oil source, uh, but China still needs Algeria's oil to diversify 
its energy sources. And also China is Algeria's top trade supplier. So in general, we see that both the economic and political ties between the two countries are intimate. And also the bilateral relationship can set examples for China's cooperation with the other countries in Middle East and North Africa, and somehow offer the win-win models for countries along the Belt and Road. However, uh, many observers state that China's attention to Algeria does not seem to match the importance of the country. On the one hand, we may find that the high-level state visits between the leadership of the two countries are rare. And on the other hand, cultural exchanges between the two countries are very limited. Interestingly, um, there is very little media coverage of Algeria in China. Uh, and last week, actually, Yahya um, and I, we um, discussed how Chinese media reports um, the project of El Hamdaniya uh, seaport. And I did some research about the topic, and I was so surprised to find that there are much more reports in Algeria than in China. I found very few short, um, very short Chinese reports about that project. And apart from the projects on infrastructure projects, you can find um, very few the Chinese um, reports about things like wilaya uh, or municipal elections in Algeria and some other important news about Algeria. So um, I think this basically results from um, two reasons. So first of all, Chinese people do not know much about Algeria in general. Uh, well, I think this is partly due to the big language gap between the two countries. Well, as in many other um, countries in the Middle East and North Africa, like Tunisia, Jordan and the Gulf countries, you find a lot of local media reports in English, which can easily be translated into the Chinese language and can thus be read by the Chinese people. But in Algeria, normally the media reports there are usually in French or Arabic. And since not many people in China understand the French and Arabic languages, very few Algerian um, news reports are translated into Chinese. And aside from that, there are other reasons um, for, China, for Chinese people's lack of knowledge to the country, such as China's weakness in public diplomacy and the lack of cultural exchanges between the countries, the, the two countries. But one important point is the lack of tourist exchanges between the two countries. So today, when it comes to um, the MENA region, the Chinese people talk, talk about Morocco, they talk about the Emirates, they talk about Egypt, but very few of them will talk about Algeria because countries like Morocco and the Emirates, they are tourist destinations, but it has been hard for the Chinese people to get tourist visas there. Well, I am not an expert on the visa issues. Tell me if I'm wrong. But when I did my field work in Algeria in 2015 and 2016, um, the Chinese people could not apply for a tourist visa to Algeria. I'm not sure if there is any change in recent years. And in addition to Chinese people's lack of knowledge about Algeria, another point um, is the lack of attention to Algeria among many Chinese elites. So first of all, um, for China's diplomacy, the Middle East and North Africa in general um, is not the priority since Beijing does not have any core interests there. Um, there are a lot of, um, like China cares uh, more uh, about some other regions like um, the East Asia, like the South uh, East Asia, etc. And within the Middle East and North Africa itself, an ironic issue is that the academia and the media not only in China, but also in other global powers as well, they pay much more attention to the areas of conflicts, such as Syria and Yemen, than to the more stable countries, such as Algeria. So in Algeria, there are not um, so many stories about conflict, so the media coverage is not that much. But in fact, it is, more, it is the more stable countries that are crucial to China's economic interests. Um, so I would say that for the time, up, Juju. wrapping up. Juju. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So for the time being, uh, I just want to mention just one more point. So there is a new focus of cooperation between the two sides. That is uh, what we call the new infrastructure. Basically, it means the digital infrastructure. Well, for the Sino relations, I think the digital infrastructure thing is both an opportunity and a challenge. So on the one hand, um, it is so today like in the context of the dropping oil price and the power transition following the, uh, the, the, the Iraq, uh, basically the Algerian government does not want a big burden of infrastructure investment. So the 
so basically the high-tech infrastructure is less costly, less risky, and probably more profitable. It is also beneficial for the knowledge transfer. Uh, but on the other hand, China's invest, uh, Algeria's investment uh, in digital technologies uh, lag behind the Gulf countries. So um, this may eventually undermine its rank on China's diplomatic agenda. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you for those very valuable points and sort of a, it speaks to this sort of asym asymmetry between the region, even though some of the countries in MENA do have uh, trade surpluses, the vast majority uh, have deficits. And of course, um, most of it is uh, exports of hydrocarbons versus uh, imports of uh, everything uh, under, under the sun. And, and an interesting point maybe we can come back to is, is even the role of sort of some of these uh, uh, smaller traders, you know, who started with um, you know, suitcases from places in, for those Algerians who are familiar with the east of the country and those who have been to Algeria, places like Ain Fakron, all the way through to Yiwu, moving from suitcases to 20-foot containers and then, uh, and then beyond. And we can come back to, 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 to ranking and so on. We, we now fly back from Shanghai to, to Venice, uh, where we have Saverio Leopardi, who will take us through um, a little bit more on Chinese-Algerian uh, economic relations with a focus on FDI and also touching on uh, perceptions and perspectives of the Algerian academic community um, and, and what they are and how they view um, Algeria. It'll be interesting to see if it correlates with uh, Yahya's point around the Arab barometer, where we found that Algeria and Egypt, who had the closest relations uh, economically in North Africa, had the lowest opinion of, of Chinese uh, nationals, though whether we disaggregate between workers and uh, blue collar or white collar is something to think about. Saverio, over to you, seven to eight minutes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Adel, for introducing me and to my fellow panelists for paving the way to my introduction. So we'll get straight to the point and I will first talk about Chinese um, financial presence in Algeria and then move, as Adel said, to uh, the perception of one of the most important stakeholders uh, in uh, the Algerian society, which is the Algerian academic community. So uh, Chinese foreign direct, direct investment in Algeria uh, has been significant if compared to the rest of the African continent, not so much so if compared to the Chinese FDI in the rest of the world. In that case, the percentage is a little bit not, uh, not very significant. Um, at the same time, um, over the last years, so we should say that Chinese FDI started mainly in the early 2000s, but after the uh, drop in oil prices, although this is not correlated, uh, the Chinese FDI somewhat seemed to be uh, on a declining uh, trend. Uh, maybe this is a hint to divestment, but we, we do not know uh, that exactly yet. So one of the main reasons for this limited FDI uh, Chinese FDI in Algeria is that, as uh, Professor Zhang said, Algeria relied on its own uh, funding to uh, finance development project. So uh, these, of course, limited both FDI and loans. Uh, today, uh, the Chinese loan to the Maghreb region amount to $2 billion, but Algeria only received $9 million in, in loans. So this might be, might be changing in the future since Algeria is burning its uh, uh, foreign exchange reserves, but still uh, it didn't require any uh, new loans. But as it's often the case with uh, the Chinese economic presence in Algeria, the data does not tell the whole of story. And I think that actually the Chinese financial presence in Algeria is somewhat uh, mirror somewhat this, the relation that we have in trade, which, as has been said, is one of mainly of asymmetry. Because for instance, the, uh, this policy of the Algerian authorities to rely on its own fund led actually to a transfer of fund towards Chinese enterprises and Chinese banks. So uh, between 2003 and 2015, actually Algeria imported $50 billion worth of Chinese services mainly in construction and infrastructure, but Chinese FDI amounted only to uh, $12 billion. And this is one of the aspects that the, China, the Algerian uh, academic community uh, 
which is studying Sino-Algerian relations, spotted as a critical aspect, because actually the Chinese economic presence in Algeria seemed to have little impact on the long-term socioeconomic uh, issues affecting Algeria, Algeria such as uh, job creation for the huge uh, youth unemployment, uh, or even technological transfer uh, and industrial diversification. Uh, because not only, uh, of course, uh, Chinese enterprises would come to Algeria and complete the, the job and then go home uh, if they were not uh, committed to other projects, but the uh, Algerian public fund would go to Chinese enterprises instead of uh, small and medium uh, Algerian enterprises. And next to these, actually, a local investor found more profitable to invest in uh, imports of Chinese uh, finished goods instead on a more productive sector of the Algerian economy. So this is one of the aspects that the Algerian scholarly community actually uh, raised as more, more, more problematic, next to also uh, many others. Uh, but in general, uh, if the Algerian community, uh, academic community do not share entirely the enthusiasm that has been expressed by the Algerian authorities when it comes to Sino-Algerian relation, nonetheless, the Chinese model of development uh, has been received quite enthusiastically, at least for its theoretical uh, potentialities. So for instance, the idea that state should be brought back at the center of the developing effort is something that really resonates within uh, large parts of the Algerian society. And this is particularly because of, of the Algerian own experience with uh, changing developing patterns. So after the uh, state-led uh, development uh, hiatus under Boumediene, of course, there was a certain a shift towards neoliberal paradigms, which did not work well uh, and had a, a huge social cost and did not help diversification at all. So. Algerian, the Algerian academic community is composed by many people who saw themselves as, as state modernizers. So the new paradigm is very popular. Also the idea of a, a gradual uh, approach to both economic and political reform uh, that uh, it seems led China to the success that we can observe today is something very appreciated by the Algerian academic community. Again, this is consistent with what the uh, Algerian uh, have experienced uh, in their history because of the um, negative result that political reform led to in, in Algeria. At least this is the perception because of course, deliberalization is a process in terms of uh, democratization is seen as one of the main culprits of what then led to the so-called black decade in Algeria. Uh, so there one, are also, one minute, Severe. Yeah, I'm wrapping up. There is also fascination with some uh, specific measure adopted by the Chinese uh, to open up their economy. For instance, the creation of special economic zone is something very popular with the Algerian academic community uh, because it could lead to technological transfers and uh, also to uh, industrial diversification. But as I said, there are some issues that actually point, pointing out to the fact that Chinese presence in Algeria contributed to deindustrialization, but also the Algerian academic community underscores how some local aspects prevents um, a possible full replication of the Chinese model of development. For instance, Algeria lack the institutional framework uh, in terms of different institutions that connect the center to uh, the provinces that China had. The, the, let's say the governance system that allowed China to put forward this adjustable strategy of development over more than uh, three decades. So uh, there is a lot of enthusiasm, but also a lot of skepticism. Let's put it that way. Thank you so much, Saverio. Um, it seems like there, there is also something to say around sort of Porterian competitive advantage when it comes to China. So uh, speed, cost, in a, maybe in yesteryear payment of graft and being a, a good dancing partner, not to suggest that European and American firms and Turkish firms don't, don't do the same or maybe not the same uh, scale, but, but also, of course, um, you know, a, a lack of rights discourse, et cetera, which 
some other uh, countries com come with um, or companies from other countries come with. Now, um, what we'd like to do, I, we've got a couple of good, great questions have come in and I, I welcome uh, uh, additional questions. What I'm going to ask our brilliant speakers, who I think have really given us a lot of food for thought in uh, quite succinctly, is very quick questions, quick answers, so we can try and get as many in. I'm going to ask a few very, a couple of very quick, uh, brief ones. Um, and I'm going to start with Yahya, um, and we'll start with the most difficult question, uh, if, if he doesn't mind. Uh, we've done this before, so um, it's for the benefit of the fora, but maybe Yahya will surprise me and give me a different answer. So, so the question is, Yahya, we have this country to the west of us called Morocco, our brothers, our friends, uh, but unfortunately at political level, there continues to be a rivalry, a competition, a mistrust, blah, 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 27 years closed borders. Um, now, China's uh, non-interventionist stance in the region also means that it isn't condemnatory of um, uh, certain uh, issues. For example, you know, I think everybody knows where I'm going with this, the Western Sahara issue. So um, China's trade and investment with Algeria pales in comparison, I mean, pales in comparison, I mean, Morocco pales in comparison of Algeria. But um, what is the Algerian view on this, the fact that the Chinese do not, quote unquote, side with Algeria? Is it because Morocco could turn around and speak of Taiwan, Xinjiang, Tibet, or is there something else? Uh, Yahya. You have already responded, uh, in a sense. Um, I'll tell you, uh, based on research, discussions with officials and so on, there's a big surprise. Uh, and I quoted one who allowed me to quote, uh, quote him, a uh, high level official. That is, uh, like Chu Chu said, uh, the Chinese always repeat what Algeria did in 1971 to help China gain its seat at the United Nations Security Council. But then when it comes to Western Sahara, the, the, the Beijing takes sort of middle of the road uh, sort of neutrality which at times tends to suggest that it's not neutrality that perhaps you know this notion of uh, uh, autonomy would perhaps be okay then when i asked my chinese uh, friends and scholars and uh, regarding the question then i found out that there is um, there is sort of pressure uh, pressure from from the moroccans or suggestions that if the algerians uh, i mean sorry if the chinese took a um, a, a positive position that is for self-determination and so on more openly, uh, or if it recognized the uh, the Sahrawi Democratic Republic, then then the the Moroccans would raise the question of Tibet, of the Uyghur, and so on and so forth. So so it's a very difficult question, but the uh, the, the the Algerians, quite frankly, uh, at least as a result of uh, the discussions are, are disappointed in that sense with, with China's position. What, what is worse from, that is not from the Algerian perspective, it is from my perspective or from those um, who, uh, who stick to international law and so on, is the, the use uh, or the exploitation of resources in the Western Sahara. That is, you know, the illegal exploitation, and it seems, at least, uh, Western Sahara, uh, uh, Western Sahara Resource Watch uh, has uh, identified uh, instances of um, of uh, illegal um, uh, fishing or or uh, you know exploitation of some resources. So it's a very difficult. Position, uh, Professor De Gong and uh, De Gong Soon and I, we have discussed uh, China's uh, position on the resolution of conflicts, and we created this new term, you know, quasi uh, mediation diplomacy. But unlike, for instance, even Russia, the the the, the, uh, the Chinese do not get involved. They they it's like they want this. Uh, uh, issue to disappear without without trying to uh, to address it. So so in that sense, uh, there is a big disappointment uh, in Algiers on the question. Although not long ago, uh, the Chinese government, uh, that which is sort of official, through gave money to the Sahrawi uh, Red Crescent. Um, you know, gave some money. Uh, 
I think it was a year or two years ago, gave um, a check for about $10 million. Uh, if you allow me to say something about the, the cultural dimension, the cultural dimension is not uh, so bad. Um, at least it's picking up. There are a lot of scholarships going on, Francesco. I don't know if you, you follow that. Uh, it is true that Algeria, for instance, unlike Morocco and Tunisia, does not have you know, the um, Confucius uh, uh, Institutes. But at the same time, they, they, there, is, there are uh, classes uh, in different universities. I have identified that uh, where you can, can take classes in Mandarin Chinese. And there are a lot of students that go to China to study. And I'll pick another yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, please. Very br briefly, so you can go on. Could you give us in just a few seconds why Algeria doesn't have a Confucius Institute? Well, uh, th this was the most... Uh, uh, troubling issue, uh, <laughs> maybe you did it provocatively, uh, it, it, it's opposition from religious uh, quarters. That is uh, thinking that Confucius is a, a, a religious uh, Aberration, bid'ah bid is the word. Bid'ah. Uh, so, so you can expect, but at the same time, the way that the government has you know, circumvented uh, the question is by creating uh, classrooms uh, without having uh, the institute itself. But it is definitely uh, a, a religious uh, question. But if I may go again, just, just it, <laughs> so because we can I didn't have to... time to elaborate, I was stuck in, yes. in the history. Um, <laughs> in the creation of jobs, you can you don't have it, and I hope that Francesco and I can collaborate at some point to, to, to see which people you're referring to when you talk about academics in Algeria. To my knowledge, there are two or three papers on, on China throughout Algeria. There are not many. Um, but, you know, if you look at Huawei, for instance, Huawei is creating not many jobs, but creating uh, or, or training uh, uh, engineers who work in uh, Algeria and also being sent to Shenzhen where they do their, their you know, uh, real training. I found some other sources that uh, talked about, you can find up to 50,000 uh, jobs being created. And then you have to talk about, there are some new companies, uh, some in the automobile uh, sector where there's some, some it, we don't have, uh, uh, you know, uh, credible, uh, you know, statistics, but there are some jobs being created. And one thing that I would like. Yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got to uh, move on. I, I will, I will, I will. One point. Um, the, the, there is, because uh, even Chuchu mentioned the number of workers, workers in Algeria, but despite this negative image and so on, because there is a huge community, which I found from the Chinese government sources, 90,000, 90,000 workers, but it represents 0.2% of the Algerian worker, workers. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's exaggerated to say, you know, the Chinese who come to Algeria have taken jobs away from the Algerians. It is the biggest myth that exists. Yeah. Thank you, Yahya. Um, I, I'm going to ask Saviria and Chuchu to be a lot more uh, succinct than Yahya was, because this isn't a 90-minute session. It's a bit bit shorter. We will be going over past the 1 p.m. mark a little bit. Uh, and when I, when I asked uh, that initial question, there were only three. Now we have a flurry. So quick questions, quick answers, if I may, so we can get through them. Um, I don't know if Saviria or Chuchu want to come uh, and uh, contend with this one. So it's from William Sinton, president of the Society for Algerian Studies. He asked, what are the economic benefits to Algeria of strategic partnership rather than solely commercial dealings when China does not uh, provide or give concessionary finance? I.e., what, what, you know, what, what are the sort of you know, key benefits to being a, a comprehensive strategic partner? Chuchu, Saverio? Yeah, you can be the first. I'll uh, add something. Well, yes. uh, I mean, I will just very briefly say that this is this uh, strategic partnership has been first, first of, um, very beneficial for the um, Algerian authorities historically, which needed to strike certain uh, goals. So we mentioned uh, Bouteflika. Its his first aim was uh, first of all giving the image that he was uh, renewing this social contract in terms of 
job creation and responding to the socioeconomic issues that Nigeria was living, housing, uh, infrastructure development, and the Chinese could deliver what Algeria needed very quickly uh, and much quicker than uh, Algeria's historical partner. So this is the main political and uh, economic advantage, which is an advantage for the Algerian authorities, not necessarily so for the uh, overall Algerian uh, economy. Thank you. Uh, Chuchu, I'm going to ask you a, a question from Karim El-Wazani, who, who mm -hmm. asks, um, when looking at the Maghreb, a, a region which you're very, very familiar with and uh, spent a significant time in, what, what is China's ambition in general uh, when, when looking at, at Maghreb as a, as a region? And how different is the approach between Algeria, Morocco and Tunisia? Yeah, uh, that is a very interesting question. And actually, uh, when we talk about the Maghrib, it is actually a very professional term. And in China, it is very surprising um, to see that actually a lot of people have never heard of, they don't know the meaning of the Maghrib region. They know uh, probably like North Africa, but not the Maghrib. Um, so in general, um, like I have just mentioned, so in general for China, the whole region of the Middle East and North Africa, uh, they are not at the top on the top of China's priority list. Um, and within the Middle East and North Africa, the North African countries, especially the Maghreb region is always neglected. Um, and so basically, uh, I think in general, uh, there is no very concrete um, policy towards the whole region. Um, and regarding the difference between China's approach to Algeria and Morocco and Tunisia, yes, um, there are some kind of differences, but the difference is not that large. So. On the one hand, um, the difference is that so Algeria is a kind of like a strategic partner, and there is the long historical ties um, which China does not have with uh, Morocco and Tunisia, um, and also Algeria is basically like uh, like more pro China, but uh, Morocco and Tunisia they are like more pro Western countries. But on the other hand, um, China does not want to displease anybody and doesn't want to be enemies with any countries. Um, so it's always like stands neutral. So basically in that uh, terms, it's not going to get involved in the regional conflict. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's my answer. Thank you very much. Um, this is probably best suited for Yahya, I suspect. But uh, succinct Yahya, please, as, as, as difficult as that may be with these questions. Two very interesting questions from Joe Ford, which are, are uh, uh, I think, um, a part one and part two that one, one can merge. So he asks, what is the relationship between development and colonialism when it comes to Algerian public perception of, of China's presence in Algeria? But more importantly, has the Hirak changed that situation in any way? Well, for one thing, um, the, Chuchu talked about how uh, the Chinese see it, but from the Algerian perspective, this, this notion of non-interference is very important not to have you know a replica of the colonial legacy of people coming you know um like looking at the uh, the IMF or others you know in terms of uh assistance or or, or uh, you know interfering in other words the conditionality uh with china there is the feeling that you don't have this kind of conditionality, it's business, but without strings attached to it, that, that's one. But also that there is a feeling, uh, th th there is no legacy of colonialism. I mean, people don't, don't play this uh, dimension in the relationship, but it is very important. The Chinese are not seen as the former col colonialists or from the Western world. Um, what did you say about the Gulf? Did you say the Gulf? No, no. Oh, what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. Is how has how has the perception changed? Oh, the Hirak with the Hirak. The Hirak, if you have noticed, the focus the focus was not on China. The focus was on the Emirates, was on the United States, was on France. This this is you know. So so when you uh, uh, Chu said in China, Algeria, Morocco, the others are not very well known. But I, I make the same argument about the Maghrebis. They don't know China. They know very little about China, but at the same time, they start seeing this, this big thing called China, uh, a, a powerhouse, a, a huge economic powerhouse that, that can accomplish things. If I, we had more time, 
because I am digging into the question as to why uh, the China or the, the Chinese, the, the perceptions of China or the, the approval of China uh, is low in Algeria. It has not, it, it, it is related to the presence of uh, Chinese workers, the uh, efficiency of the, there's almost like a, a bit of jealousy, but there's also another aspect, which is anger towards the regime. For, like, for instance, if you take the construction of the mosque, how come, you know, it is the Chinese viewed as atheists who are building, you know, the, the biggest mosque in the Muslim world or one of the biggest mosques in the, in, in the Muslim world. So there right. are different okay. aspects yeah. to it. There is, I, I would say, uh, still in méconnaissance, a lack of uh, knowledge, understanding of each other. And yeah. it's, it's, it's slow. And of course, you know, you have the proximity uh, of France, which is still there, the French language and so on. But I think that may, may, may take uh, time before yeah. it starts materializing. And, yeah. and Chuchu is totally right. Algeria, and here you have to, to criticize the Algerian government who's been incapable of developing the tourist industry in Algeria. And that's yeah. been a problem for a long time. And it was incredible potential. This thing, and it's still a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible potential. We actually have a rhetorical question, which I'll share for the benefit of the audience. Uh, Rupert Wallace, who's an LSE alum, alum he, he, suggest, he, he explains that he bicycled from Tangiers to Tunis in 1980 without visa or hindrance. What chance is there of doing a similar trip down the Trans-Saharan Highway in his lifetime? Uh, we'll say, inshallah, on, on that one. Um, the Trans-Saharan or Trans-Maghreban? Tra no, he was referring to the Trans-Saharan, but, um, oh. uh, but no, an interesting point. Um, Savira, you've looked at FDI in Algeria. Uh, Hussein Takhrabot asks what the future of FDI under President Taboon is and the implication on, of, of, of this expanding Sino-Algerian relations. Yeah, uh, since my training is that of a, any historian, I don't really uh, go with speculation about the future. Okay. But uh, <laughs> we can say that, uh, I mean, also because the, the, the sand didn't settle after the Herak started, as we see the demonstration started again, and this might, uh, to some extent, uh, scare off the Chinese investment there. We, 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 we will see, because for what is sure is that oil prices are low, uh, and, they, and they are likely to remain so. So it is likely Algeria will need in the near future some form of financial assistance. Of course, China would be in a better position than traditional international creditors. Uh, but at the same time, China is a really a newcomer as a creditor. Absolutely. So it has to develop uh, a more coherent strategy in dealing with uh, renegotiations uh, debt cancellation and so on and so forth, which mm -hmm. it has already done in the rest of Africa on an ad hoc basis. But maybe there were some hints uh, after the COVID-19 pandemic that this might change. So there are many things that we still don't know to, to say what how Chinese FDI in Nigeria will develop. Uh, there are some hints that tell us that they might increase uh, but uh, we can just wait and see for now. Yeah, thank you. And and though you are a historian, um, uh, Severia, they say history, uh, history uh, uh, of course, um, it may not repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. So um, uh, it's for an interesting sure. point. And actually, in fact, uh, of, of all of the Chinese loans to Africa between 2015 and 18, it was some $16 billion and Algeria is bleeding close to that uh, annually. So, you know, China would only be part of the story, uh, it, it seems. Um, we, as, as we come to sort of wrap up, what I'm going to ask uh, our colleagues in the audience to do um, is, is sort of a, a semi-provocative question, which, we've, which, we've, uh, which I've asked other colleagues in the past. And it's just in the, in the chat or Q&A, um, a yes or no, uh, if you could put a yes or no in the chat for the following or Q&A, uh, just then the question is, is, is China uh, an overall force for good uh, in Algeria's economic future? So just a yes or no, um, uh, and, and feel free, and I'll share that in the next couple of minutes as our colleagues uh, wrap up. Um, one last question, and you know, feel free to take it, Chuchu Yahya or Saviria. It's from uh, Rashid, and he asks uh, whether Algeria's, uh, he calls it a rapprochement, but you know, I'd say economic relations with China uh, will affect Algeria's relationship with the Gulf countries 
which is slightly more strategic relations with Western powers, notably, of course, uh, US, uh, France, um, uh, and the UK. Um, any comments on that? I can. Um, yeah. You know, um, uh, Rashid, if he's from Algeria, he knows that Algeria has this um, uh, passion for diversifying, and Algeria would not. Um, in my view, would, would deal with whomever uh, it feels is uh, more cooperative. Uh, you can see it, look, even in with, with its closest, let's say for its supplies for weapons is, is from Russia, but then it goes also uh, gets from Germany, gets from China. Now China is the third supplier of Algeria, although far from, uh, from China. So I don't think it's, it's, it's gonna affect it, but uh, you asked a question, somebody in the audience asked about the Iraq and, and this perception of uh, the, um, the Gulf countries. Uh, I, I can assure you, uh, knowing the Algerians quite well, uh, the uh, perception of the Gulf Arabs is, is pretty negative right now. Chuchu, did you have anything to add on that? Oh, yes. Uh, basically, I totally agree with um, what Yahya has just mentioned. I just want to add probably one point is that I think the problem is not so probably the dispute between the Gulf countries and Algeria is not just about the relationship with Western countries, because nowadays, even if after, uh, especially after the Iraq, uh, the current, there is a saying that the current government is trying somehow to hedge between big powers, like between China and the Western countries. So I don't think it's a problem with Western countries, but now nowadays things become more complicated. That is the Gulf countries, probably they are trying to uh, kind of like getting involved in the local conflicts and the regional conflicts in North Africa. So for instance, the conflict between Algeria and Morocco, because nowadays Morocco's relations with uh, Israel is normalizing, right? And the Gulf countries' relations, like the Emirates, Saudi Arabia, their the relations with Israel are also like normalizing. So that kind of complicated relations, probably in the future is going to affect um, the geopolitics in the Maghreb. Thank you. Uh, uh, what I'm going to do now before uh, announcing the results of those who have uh, uh, typed in uh, yes or no, and it's very interesting, and I'll share it with colleagues in a second, because I think our attendees can't see. If I can ask Yahya, Saverio, and, 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 and Chuchu, uh, in, in your sort of uh, 30, 45 seconds wrapping up, if you could just give us one opportunity and one challenge that you see going forward, and I'm going to ask Saverio to take his historian hat off and become a scenario specialist, a foresight specialist. Um, we'll start in the reverse order. So, uh, Saverio, uh, one opportunity and one challenge for the uh, Sino-Algerian relationship going forward. Well, one opportunity is really uh, the, I think, the development of true industrial cooperation and technological transfer. Uh, there is room for, for this, uh, but it was never really achieved. Uh, the challenge, I think, it's always the, uh, again, the over-reliance of the Algerian industrial uh, system uh, on the uh, hydrocarbon sector and the um, certain dynamics that prevent this uh, diversification and also the probably the uh, Chinese ad hoc uh, strategy in, in gradual, which is good, but sometimes uh, we don't know how China or whether China will revise its uh, BRI strategy uh, following uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, also because we see that uh, in terms of port, just to mention one, we, we talk about Alhamdaniya, but there is another port, which is in, in uh, neighboring Morocco. Uh, and it might be the case that China will look more interestingly to this port uh, because the Alhamdaniya project is still far from uh, taking off. Thank you, Saverio. Chuchu? Um, yes. Uh, so as for opportunity, I would say the health diplomacy uh, right now in the context of the pandemic, because uh, actually in the past, China, uh, it offered a lot of aid packages, especially in the 90s, uh, 50s and 60s. And now this kind of aid package, it probably may uh, remind those kind of old, uh, friendship between the two countries. As for the challenge, I would say that the hardest thing is how to really strengthen uh, this kind of strategic relationship and how China is going to balance its relations with different Maghreb countries, especially um, when it tries to um, stay neutral in the context of the escalating um, conflicts between Algeria and Morocco. 
Thank you, Chuchu. Before I pass over to Yahya, just to plug plug Yahya's work on health Silk Road diplomacy um, on, on the region, which of course includes Algeria through, through the pandemic. Yahya, opportunity and a challenge. Opportunity, um, they had started it um, and then uh, it was sort of frozen and then it's going again. Uh, it's the phosphates, uh, which if well done, uh, could bring as much as oil, if not more, in some sectors, um, you know, especially in terms of fertilizer and so on. Uh, the renewable energies, uh, solar energy, which could be exploited in Algeria, and China has acquired some great uh, expertise in that in that field. Uh, you can also the automobile industry, since the government has since September of last year decided to clean up house after all the corruption and all the mismanagement of the automobile industry. Uh, I think there is, especially with the, the help of the Chinese and others, by the way, Mercedes is involved, you know, Daimler and so on, but uh, with BAKE that has uh, B-A-I-C and J-A-C, uh, the Chinese automobile uh, companies, you know, with an integration of about 30% and so on, that could be a possibility. The challenge is, of course, is domestic. It's the Algerian government that has to clean house uh, to put really Algeria on the right track of, of genuine development and, you know, to the fight against corruption uh, to, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a question of governance. If the governance uh, is is settled in Algeria, I think the opportunities will be great coming from not just China, but also from other parts of the world. Absolutely. Thank you, Yahya. Um, the only bad thing I have to say about this uh, panel, and I'm sure uh, attendees and participants will agree, is that we can't go on for another few hours. Um, it's been incredibly rich, and I know that all our speakers had so much more to say, which uh, is, I think, part of the beauty of, uh, of uh, the short but sweet webinars. Um, I'll give you the results, uh, colleagues in the audience, wherever you are. Um, so the question was, is China an economic force for good as part of sort of Algeria's future? You'll be interested to learn that we have received yeses, all yeses but one. And uh, that person is somebody called Adam. And he says, and I'll leave you on this, no, but I work for the US embassy in Algiers. So what would you expect from me? Thanks again for the talk. Very interesting. Um, uh, on that note, I'd like to, on behalf of my colleagues, uh, Hugh Roberts, uh, William Sinton, uh, and Zina Blalouin, and on behalf of the Society for Algerian Studies, the LSE Middle East Center, I'd like to thank Yahya Zubir, uh, Saviri Leopardi, Chuchu Zhang in Shanghai, especially Chuchu for staying up so late, and for wonderful questions, uh, insights, thoughts. And uh, last but not least, I'd like to thank Nadine for uh, putting this together. And uh, I'd like to wish you all a wonderful rest of the week to change for future events. Shishi, shukran, merci. Thank you all. And thank you for moderating. Thank you. you. did a great job. And thank you, Nadim, for all your thank correspondence you. and logistical support. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, everybody. And I hope we can do this again sometime. Take care. All the best.